Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. Ladies and gentlemen, you are now listening to the Fantasy Baseball Hour with Al Melchior. Monday's here, and you're here with me, so I appreciate you tuning in. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melchior. we got a nice, nice, big Monday slate. That's not always the case, and it's already underway. We've got the Braves and Marlins happening. We're going to check in on that, not only just because it's real live baseball that's uh, happening right now, but we have got a pretty nice Major League debut going on for Tuki Toussaint. He is still pitching for the Braves in the sixth inning. He's got four strikeouts. He is looking nasty and filthy, at least from uh, the little snippets that I'm catching, mostly courtesy of uh, the PitcherList uh, Twitter account. So uh, thank you, Nick and company, for <laughs> providing those uh, Tuki Toussaint gifts. Uh, check those out you know, during the break uh, or uh, whenever you got a chance. Anyway, uh, but that's not the only debut. Uh, that's uh, expected to happen uh, here today, Monday. So we'll talk about a couple other debuts. Uh, well, one debut that's going to happen for sure, and another that could happen. Uh, we'll be checking in on lineups, of course, as, as I always do here. So uh, we'll get a sense, uh, and I'll, I'll keep you in, in suspense if you don't know what I'm talking about just yet. So, yep, it is Major League Debut Monday here on the Fantasy Baseball Hour. But we got a lot of news involving players that have been around the major leagues for a while, too. So we're going to check in on that, uh, take a look at some of the top performances from Sunday and some really interesting ones there, including our change of scenery pitchers, Cole Hamels and Tyler Glass now, uh, both recently traded, both absolutely dealing with their new teams. So we'll uh, break that down uh, a little bit. Uh, I've also noticed that a lot of folks on Twitter are tweeting about Paul Goldschmidt today and I'm I'm not sure why the coincidence would be obviously he's been hitting very well he had a two homer game on Sunday so maybe it's some carryover from that but independent of all that I was going to talk about Paul Goldschmidt today uh, because uh, I think you know everybody's very aware of the fact that he's overcome his his early season slump in a very big way but I have to admit I did not understand how big he's been uh, since about the first two months of the season. So we'll break that down. And also uh, on Friday, I hope you didn't miss it. If you did miss it, go back on demand, find Friday show. Cause I had a really cool conversation with K Casey Bogoslaw um, of uh, MLB barrel alert. And he's got his own uh, Twitter account where he uh, tweets some really cool barrel related stats for pitchers. I don't want the hitters to feel left out. So today uh, I'm going to talk about some hitters that are uh, near the top of the uh, barrel charts. And, uh, you know, not necessarily the obvious ones. Um, you know, I, I mean, you know, we'll, we'll talk about uh, 
you know, just in, in the course of the show, some of those those guys. But, you know, J.D. Martinez, Mookie Betts, uh, Nelson Cruz, you know, those folks. I mean, yes, they hit with a lot of power. You know that. Uh, so I'm going to talk about some of the names that maybe I don't talk about quite as much. And some of them may even be a little bit surprising on, in terms of how high they rank in those uh, barrel rate rankings. So got a lot to cut out for myself here on today's show. So now I am just going to get on with it. So the uh, other debuts that I was alluding to before, so we've got Tuki Toussaint uh, pitching right now against the Marlins. And again, that is uh, 3-1 Braves right now. Uh, But uh, with the Blue Jays uh, tonight, we will see one and possibly two major league debuts of some really good prospects. Uh, So their scheduled starter for tonight is Sean Reed Foley, who's been called up, going to make his major league debut against the Royals in Kansas City. And I would expect in the starting lineup, now we don't have a Blue Jays lineup yet, but maybe uh, later on in the show we will. Then again, this one's in central time, so we may just be left in suspense for the next hour. But the other debut that could happen is Danny Jansen, uh, the uh, catching prospect for the Blue Jays. Jansen also getting called up, and he's had a really nice, uh, I would say, breakout season this year uh, in the minor leagues for uh, for the Blue Jays, uh, exclusively at uh, AAA uh Sorry, I was going to say uh, AAA Syracuse, but uh, AAA Buffalo. So my apologies uh, to those in upstate New York for almost botching that. Uh, but a fantastic strikeout-to-walk ratio. He's got a 13.6% strikeout rate and a 12%, 12.2% walk rate. Uh, that's fairly uh, consistent with what he's done in the past. But uh, a bit more power, 12 homers and 360 plate appearances, a 275, 394, 73 slash line. Not too bad for a you know a, a catcher. <laughs> I felt sort of bad saying that, uh, but you know we we uh, in fantasy world we don't tend to give catchers a whole lot of respect. We get frustrated with the lack of uh, viable options sometimes. So when you see somebody coming up like that, who's not only somebody who can uh, command the strike zone, but has a little bit of pop and is going to Roger Center and get to play in the AL East. That's kind of exciting. So I did not succeed in picking up Jansen in any leagues this weekend. I also struck out on Sean Reed Foley. Uh, but I would certainly have been glad to have either one, uh, even in a 12-teamer. So we'll see how those debuts go. Like I said, for sure, Reed Foley tonight and hopefully uh, Jansen as well. And somewhat related to that, the Blue Jays this weekend put Jan uh, Hervis Solarte on the DL with an oblique strain. And so on Sunday, they started Russell Martin at third. So even though I haven't seen it put this way explicitly, I think that those transactions are related that rather than call up an infielder to take Solarte's place, maybe we're going to see some more Russell Martin at third base. And he's been swinging a hot bat. I mean, it's generally been a pretty forgettable season for Russell Martin. He's been part of that just a large blob of catchers out there that we either pass over or we sort of reluctantly pick up, uh, but give us maybe a little bit of power with that much batting average. But over his last 16 games, Russell Martin's batting 327 and has hit four home runs. So maybe that buys him a little bit of plague time between the necessity of needing somebody over third base. And of course the uh, Blue Jays already have had a few uh, infield injuries. So 
Uh, this maybe opens the door for a little bit more play time for Russell Martin, who, of course, continues to be catcher eligible. So that's notable that not only do we get Danny Jansen into the catcher pool, but Russell Martin suddenly maybe be, especially if he gets more playing time, suddenly becomes a, a much more attractive option uh, as a, a fantasy catcher. All right. So uh, in terms of other hitters moving over to third base, Will Myers, uh, he had been rumored to be uh, uh, playing third base or even not even rumored, but reported that he was going to play some third base when he comes back for the Padres. He is going to be activated today, according to the San Diego Union Union Tribune. And Myers not only worked out at third base, he actually played a rehab game on Sunday at third base for Lake Elsinore. Uh, the the report from the San Diego Union Tribune made it sound like he, he acquitted himself pretty well defensively. So, uh, yeah, look forward to Will Myers possibly, or it sounds like probably, gaining some third base eligibility within the next week or two. So that's pretty cool. But uh, definitely get him into your lineup for this week because regardless of where he plays, he's going to be activated on Monday, today. So get ready for that. Jose Altuve, uh, probably, I would say definitely, you need to skip him uh, for this week. For one thing, uh, the Astros don't have uh, a big schedule this week. It's a five-game week. Two games in Colorado, three games, uh, or I should say, if I said in, two games versus Colorado at Houston, three games at Oakland, so a five-game week for the Astros. And uh, Jose Altuve is not going to play in that two-game Colorado series. So you're looking at best, and it sounds like, again, not a sure thing at all, but just best, best case scenario is that Jose Altuve plays maybe three games on the weekend. I'm guessing probably that's not even going to happen. So forget about starting Jose Altuve this week if you could still make uh, roster moves, even though we have had our first pitch already. Uh, Also, George Springer, similar deal might play in that weekend series, but, you know, whereas with Altuve, that's a bit of a bummer because I thought maybe we'd get him back sooner. Uh, Springer, the original estimate was that he'd be out at least a couple of weeks with his sprained thumb. He may spend the minimum or very close to minimum time on the DL, may be back this weekend. So, again, you can forget about him for weekly leagues, but daily leagues get ready, perhaps, to get George Springer back into your lineup by the weekend. Uh, Anthony Rendon, he took a pitch off of his left wrist on Friday, sat out both Saturday and Sunday, although according to the Washington Post, Rendon uh, was going to be available in an emergency situation on Sunday. So that bodes pretty well. I've not seen any other updates on Rendon, but that bodes pretty well for starting him this week. Over the weekend, the Indians placed Edwin Encarnacion on the disabled list with a right-hand contusion. Uh, The Dodgers made some uh, pitching moves this weekend, or at least anticipate some pitching moves. They're going to activate Alex Wood in time to start on Tuesday and Hunjin Ryu to be activated in time to start on Wednesday. So they've already made the move of taking both Kent Maeda and Ross Stripling out of the rotation, putting them in the bullpen. Uh, the Maeda thing is something that I talked about on a couple of episodes last week. So that was, that was expected. Uh, the Ross Stripling uh, thing, I had not seen any reports of until it, until it actually happened. So, and it sounds like uh, of the two, that Maeda is going to be the one who will be in the bullpen for more of a, a long-term uh, horizon. But uh, both are there to 
you know, help uh, basically pat out that bullpen and, and, and deepen it with the absence of Kenley Jansen, who's going to be out for at least a month. Uh, and Maeda may even get some save chances. So uh, we, we just saw something uh, uh, interesting with uh, Scott Alexander over the weekend where he got lifted after two batters basically for matchups. Uh, JT Chagois being brought in to face a righty, and he ultimately wound up facing, uh, and now I'm trying to remember who, unfortunately. My, I'm blanking here, but uh, faced a lefty who ultimately uh, won the game and uh, left Chagois with the, uh, uh, with the loss, and I believe the blown save. So in any event, just what I'm getting to with that is that all of those very, very early reports, once Jansen went on the DL, of Alexander being in a timeshare, not being the, the lone closer, Dave Roberts seemed to be backing that up in the way that he used Alexander in that uh, last game that Alexander pitched in. Uh, that uh, it looks like it's it's a platoon type situation, and it backfired on Roberts the first time he tried it out. So I don't know if maybe he's going to modify that, but uh, Alexander does have much better splits against lefties. So maybe we do see Kent Maeda uh, in fairly short order in uh, in a safe situation for the Dodgers. So we'll have to watch that one closely. We'll talk. Uh, I've got a whole bunch more bullpen situations uh, to sort out a little bit later on in the show. Uh, over the weekend, uh, actually on Saturday to be specific, Trevor Bauer uh, made a start and got hit on his ankle by a comebacker. And uh, he is expected to be all right for his next start. According to the Cleveland Plain Dealer, uh, that would be this Friday against the Orioles. But uh, So I think, again, if you're having to make weekly lineup decisions, Bauer should be in there. But uh, if you are adjusting your uh, rotation in a, on, a, on a daily basis, then that's one I think you need to watch uh, day by day until we get to Friday. Tyler Skaggs, almost as soon as he came off the DL, going back on the DL with a left adductor strain. Luke Weaver had to be scratched from his scheduled start on Sunday, so owners uh, did not get that second start from Luke Weaver. Tyson Ross had to come in, actually did quite well, uh, but Weaver uh, cut his finger opening a can and uh, not clear yet if it's going to heal in time for him to make his next scheduled start. Uh, Let's see, here from the Kansas City City Star, Ned says that Danny Duffy has been dealing with some stiffness in the shoulder for the last four starts. So, yep, we have an explanation for why all of a sudden Danny Duffy wasn't pitching as well again after he was really turning his season around. Uh, So he may need to skip a start. He did get an anti-inflammatory shot this weekend, uh, but that's one that does not sound good at all for this week for uh, Danny Duffy, regardless of what sort of update we might get on him. According to NBC Sports Bay Area, uh, Brandon Belt is expected to be activated in time for the Giants game on Tuesday against the Dodgers. And Mac Williamson, his season could be over uh, as he unfortunately has had a reoccurrence of his concussion system symptoms. So uh, hopefully uh, that that uh, gets better for uh, for Mac Williamson. Mark Trumbo has been dealing with a sore knee. He may have to get an injection, according to Masson, so he's not looking like a, a good bet for the next few days or for this week. Lewis Brinson is expected to be, begin a rehab assignment on Tuesday, although the Marlins have not yet decided where Brinson will start that rehab assignment. That coming to us from the uh, South Florida Sun Sentinel. 
Uh, Brinson in his last 21 games before going on the DL uh, was hitting just 235, but that's better than he had been doing. Actually, a lot better than he had been doing before that 21-game stretch and with some power with a 187 ISO. So Brinson was just starting to turn it around a bit uh, before he went on the DL with his hip injury. And Rodas Vizcaino, who's been on the DL with shoulder inflammation, according to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, he is scheduled to begin throwing again this Wednesday. Now, A.J. Minter's been doing a really good job in Vizcaino's absence. So um, I would expect that Minter probably would keep the job, but obviously that's one we got to watch. And we don't have a specific timetable yet either in terms of when Vizcaino is going to return. So... If you're a mentor owner or thinking of being one, uh, I don't think you have to worry about uh, him losing that job, you know, anytime in, you know, say the next couple of weeks. So speaking of day, uh, or rather speaking of bullpens, uh, we do have a bunch of bullpen situations to talk about. More intrigue as there always is with the closer situations. So we'll talk about those after the break. That's coming up here in just a moment. And uh, also uh, after the break, take a look at... Uh, several of the standout performances from Sunday's games, uh, including a great return from Chris Sale, continued excellence from Alex Cobb, and a whole bunch of other stuff. So uh, do stick around. I got to head to break right now. But uh, when I come back, there could be that and much, much Have you ever wanted to have a fantasy expert in the palm of your hand? Or better yet, in the pocket of your khakis? Well, check it out. Now you can. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Download it now to your phone, we promise. No weird viruses, no strange tracking things. Just 24 hours a day, seven days a week of pure fantasy knowledge dropping all over your head. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app. Stop being a weirdo and streaming it online. Get it on your phone. Take it with you everywhere you go. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melfior. And, uh, wow, checking in again on the Braves game. At the beginning of the break, it was 4-1 Braves. Uh, now it's 6-1 Braves. So, uh, yeah, Tuki Toussaint very much staying alive uh, in that one. He's pitched six innings in his debut, just giving up one run on two hits. Uh, very nice debut. Uh, not nearly as good of a start for Pablo Lopez. He lasted five and a third. Uh, gave up six runs. Now he's been charged with six runs. Apparently some inherited runners uh, scored there uh, in the bottom of the six. So uh, he's been charged with five, uh, Javi Guerra in the game. So, uh, yep, 6-1 Braves. And uh, as I promised, I'm going to get to some bullpen situations. One of the great moments of Sunday's games and, and the weekend was that uh, David Bobby, David Bodie, excuse me, David Bodie uh, walk-off grand slam. Just incredible. Um, not so incredible for Ryan Madsen, though, but there was some interesting news that came out about Madsen after, uh, after that game uh, that I will share with you very shortly here. Uh, but first of all, DailyRoad.com is putting more than $25,000 on the line for its subscribers this NFL season, entering paid contests on FanDuel, and bringing you along for the free roll. 
So have the chance to win big this year alongside SportsGrid CEO Jeremy Stein, one of the only men to have won two separate $1 million prizes. So each week, we will select lucky subscribers to sweat with us and split 50% of the profits. No profits that week? Well, no worries, because your name is just going to get tossed right back into the hat for the following week. So head on over to dailyrodo.com slash sweat and learn how to get in on the action and your share of $25,000 in action. That's dailyrodo.com slash sweat. Okay, uh, so let's talk about some closers. So yeah, Madsen gave up that grand slam. He was handed a, a nice uh, three to nothing cushion in the uh, bottom of the ninth against the Nationals and just get went all kinds of sideways for him uh, in that game. And uh, after the game, Madsen had mentioned that when he was warming up. Well, really two things. First of all, that he's been dealing with a back issue for some time, although you wouldn't really know it because he had been pitching pretty well over the last two to three weeks. Uh, but the, the really the more kind of pertinent detail about his health status was that he said that as a result of the back problems, of the back issue, that he was feeling some some sharp pain down his leg, uh, and I've, I've you know I've experienced that. Probably a lot of a lot of us have experienced that, where we have a back issue and we get this referred pain uh, in our leg or somewhere else. So I can understand how he would have had a rough go, uh, given that that's what he was dealing with. So this is you know you could look at the the two sides of the coin here. You know we have an explanation for why Madsen just wasn't uh, up to par. And that ninth inning against uh, against Na- uh, yeah I'm sorry against Cubs. If I said the Nationals before, my my apologies. Uh, I think uh, with uh, <laughs> all the uh, the trades and everything, maybe I got a little uh, confused there. So yeah, no against the Cubs. Uh, but on the other hand, you know, given that this has been sort of a long-standing issue for Ryan Madsen, you have to wonder how effective he's going to be the next time out, or even if he's going to be used the next time out. So Coda Glover pitched uh, a nice eighth inning there, uh, setting up for Ryan Madsen. And there had been early reports that Glover might get some, uh, might get some save opportunities. Maybe those are going to come a little sooner than later for, uh, for, for Coda Glover. So that's a situation to, to watch closely. There's always, you know, at least one closer situation that you have to pay really close attention to because it's, it's sort of teetering on the brink. Uh, so given what we now know about Ryan Madsen's health issues, uh, that's one to watch really, really closely. Another one that might not seem quite so obvious, and I wrote about it in some detail on the Rotographs bullpen report earlier this morning. So if you're interested in this, uh, check that out. Uh, but on uh, Sunday, Hector Rondon blew a save uh, against the Mariners. Mariners ultimately prevailed in that one. And it was Roberto Osuna who came on in the 10th inning and gave up uh, the Mitch Hanniger uh, RBI double that that ultimately did win it. But it got to the 10th inning in the first place because Hector Rondon couldn't hold a 3-2 lead. He gave up a, a two-out solo homer to Ryan Healy. And again, sort of like with the Madsen situation, you can look at uh, this in an optimistic or a pessimistic way. And my, my take in the Rotographs piece was really more, more pessimistic, and I'll explain why. So uh, Rondon's results overall, much like Madsen's, have been pretty good lately. Really no reason to suspect any problem there. So he gives up uh, you know, a solo home run, 
blows a one run one run lead. What what closer other than maybe Edward Diaz, you know, hasn't done that every once in a while this year? Uh, you know, Craig Kimbrell just recently had a, a couple appearances where he you know, blew a save on a home run. So that alone is not alarming to me. It was the the digging in that I did on Hector Rondon just to see if there was anything kind of longer standing that was an issue uh, for him that I started to get a little bit worried about Rondon uh, because going back exactly a month, Rondon has come close to just not getting swings and misses at all. His, uh, his whiff rate right around 7% over the past month, whereas for the, the two-plus months uh, before that, or actually, I'm sorry, th- uh, let me make sure I'm getting my math right. Yeah, two-plus months, about two and a half months. Before that, uh, it was his uh, whiff rate was around 15%. So that's a big, big reduction. And so there had to be something behind that. When I did a little bit more digging, I found that, first of all, he's not using the slider as much. And I thought, well, why isn't he trusting the slider? Why isn't he using it as much? Well, he's not getting as much uh, slide out of his slider lately. It's not a big dramatic change, but enough of a change. uh, I think uh, somewhere between half an inch and an inch of less horizontal movement on the slider over the last month that you can kind of put the pieces together and, and understand what's going on there. So one solo home run to me is not a sign of anything for any pitcher, reliever, starter, whomever. But, you know, it was the event that that gave me a reason to dig in a little bit more on Hector Rondon. And that eventually is going to catch up with him, I think. Uh, just a, a closer with a 7% whiff rate over an extended period of time, that's got to catch up with him at some point unless he somehow tweaks whatever he needs to tweak with the slider. And I am assuming that's that's the problem. So, you know, I, I, on the surface of it, I wouldn't think that there'd be any reason to think that Roberto Ozuna was going to take this job away from Hector Rondon. A.J. Hinch has not been, you know, particularly, uh, up, you know, upfront, uh, you know, about saying what his plans are. But, you know, he's not said, well, you know, it's not like the situation in Toronto where John Gibbons came out and said, yeah, Ken Giles is going to be our closer. He's going to have, uh, you know, a brief easing in period, but he's going to be the closer. And in fact, Giles got his first save with the Blue Jays on Sunday. So Hinch hasn't done that, uh, but you would think that if Rondon runs into trouble, then that job at some point is going to be Ozuna's. So I'm not saying, oh, the next, you know, next time out, it's going to be Roberto Ozuna or that a Roberto Ozuna is going to be the Astros closer like a week from now. But I'm just saying, check out what happens with Hector Rondon the next time or two out. Because I just have to think that that, that contact-friendly approach that he's been showing for a solid month now, it's, it's going to catch up with him. I don't see how it can't. So that, that is one to watch. Uh, another one to watch, you know, continuing from last week is the Rocky situation. And Wade Davis got yet another chance in the ninth inning. And this time he came through uh, against the Dodgers in the finale of that uh, that uh, series. Uh, just gave up a, a walk to Brian Dozier. Otherwise, uh, a pretty nice uh, ninth inning for Davis, uh, who, by the way, followed up on Adam Adovino in the eighth inning. So uh, Adovino back from a, a brief illness did give up a run in the eighth, but Davis came in and 
essentially shut the Dodgers down. So Davis said that he fixed some uh, some things in his delivery since his last appearance, which was a really bad one where he gave up a couple of home runs. The latest of a string of really bad appearances by by Wade Davis said he fixed some things. I don't know if it's cause and effect, but this latest timeout, Wade Davis looked a whole lot better. So uh, I'm not starting him this week. I do own him in one league, and I just put him on the bench. But I'm not dropping him yet because if he has fixed things, uh, he could be useful down the stretch. So I think it's it's a stash situation. It's a wait to wait and see situation for uh, for Wade Davis. And the Indian situation just continues to get more and more confusing. Cody Allen had to clean up a mess left to him by Dan Otero on Sunday. He got his second save in two two days. So as of right now, it looks like Cody Allen has the upper hand in that situation. But I still think ultimately it's a three-way closer committee with Allen, Brad Hand, and Andrew Miller. And it's just Allen who's gotten the call uh, both on Saturday and Sunday. I'm not sure why they went with uh, Cody Allen on, on Sunday, but... I'm not, just because it's back-to-back saves on consecutive days, I'm not just going all in on, on Cody Allen. And in fact, because he's been so inconsistent, I'm benching him in the one league that I own him. Fortunately, it's a different league than the league where I own Wade Davis because then I'd be having to you know roster a whole bunch of relievers since I'm benching two. But I'm not. So that's, uh, that's the deal there. So uh, let's uh, get on with... Uh, some of the other performances from Sunday from from starting pitchers. Uh, we'll get to that in just a moment here. Uh, but first, I need to remind you that Fantasy Factor is the only exclusively single-entry DFS site. They have free roles registering all the time and great promotions for free prizes. So keep a lookout for Fantasy Factor's free $1 million Survivor Contest. It opens about a week before the NFL kickoff. Just go to fantasyfactor.com. That's fantasyfactor.com. So I uh, mentioned very offhandedly a little bit earlier in the show that Chris Sale had a fantastic return in his first start off of a brief uh, DL stint. He only went five innings against the Orioles, so uh, clearly uh, a, a cautious approach there with Sale, but uh, gave you more than uh, what you'd expect in terms of five innings worth of strikeouts. Gave you 12 strikeouts against the Orioles. And yeah, the Orioles are probably one of the teams that are going to be more predictable in terms of doing that. But doesn't matter. You started sale, and, and I'm sure you did if you own them. Then you uh, you got the benefit of that. Only thing you gave up was uh, was just one hit. No walks, uh, no runs, 12 Ks for Chris Sale. So he's fine. He's back. Uh, but he did uh, get a bit of a battle from Alex Cobb, who's been going really well of late, uh, and. Uh, a little bit unusual for Cobb. Uh, his strikeout numbers were up there. That's not easy to do against uh, the Red Sox, but he got seven Ks in seven innings, just gave up one run, also another run that was unearned on six hits and two walks. So this is a little bit of an outlier for Alex Cobb because he's not been doing it with strikeouts. He's been doing it with command, with control, and just a whole lot of soft contact. So I remain a bit of a, of a Alex Cobb skeptic. Because uh, every time I try to get on board with a starter, uh, whether this year it's been Brad Keller or last year it was uh, Andrew Kashner, uh, where they're not getting a whole bunch of strikeouts, but they're just they're succeeding and succeeding pretty consistently with a lot of soft contact, that that gets sustained for only so long. 
So uh, I, I do think that Alex Cobb's going to have his comeuppance at, uh, at some point. But, uh, you know, we'll see. In a way, I'm sort of rooting that that doesn't happen because I, I think that's a, a kind of a fun way to speculate on pitchers because those low K guys uh, don't, you know, don't get the attention. But again, I think it's for a good reason because usually it does not pan out over the long term. But we'll see if Alex Cobb has uh, figured something out. And maybe Cole Hamels has figured something out since coming to the Cubs, made his third start uh, since his trade from the Rangers. This time he gets the Nationals, tough matchup, and he just absolutely aced it. Uh, so, of course, uh, this is the game that Max Scherzer started for the Nationals. He was dominant as usual, and then you know Madsen came in and, and blew it in the ninth. But uh, Hamels, uh, he did his part keeping the Cubs in that game, uh, going seven innings, just allowing one run on one hit and one walk. Nine Ks for him. Of course, the, the strikeouts have been something of a constant for Hamels, uh, but keeping the walks down, keeping the home runs down, that's been essential for Hamels uh, of late. And I have no explanation for this whatsoever because this is just right in the middle of the season. It's not an issue of, uh, you know, we're talking April, May, where maybe uh, Hamels is just like starting to get into a groove. But upon being traded to the Cubs, his average fastball velocity has gone up almost by two miles an hour. Over his time with the Rangers this year, he was averaging 91.4 miles an hour on the fastball. And his last few starts at the Rangers were, were pretty much right in that range. So again, it's not like this was you know front-loaded where he had low velocity to start the season. No, it's been sort of an instantaneous change. Changes the laundry, changes the uniform, Changes his velocity. With the three starts with the Cubs, Cole Hamels has a 93.2 mile per hour average exit velocity on his fastball. I have no explanation, but it uh, does coincide with some really good performance. So, uh, you know, have to keep that in mind. And Tyler Glass now, uh, change of scenery has been great for him, too. I was a skeptic. I said, let's wait and see on this. But now three starts into his tenure with the Rays. He's been consistently good. Uh, and oddly enough, his velocity has gone up a little bit, even though he's gone from being a reliever to getting stretched out as a starter. So I really can't explain that one. But over his three starts with the Rays, he's averaging 97.1 miles an hour on his fastball, which is uh, a little less than a mile an hour more than it was in relief with the Pirates. So on Sunday, he went uh, five innings against the Blue Jays. Only walked a couple of batters, struck out six, gave up one run on two hits. So another great performance for Tyler Glass now. And once again, continuing to get chases at a much higher rate than he did with the Pirates. So uh, Rays have figured something out there with uh, with Tyler Glass now, or he, or he figured it out. Ceases Bathia, uh, a second very good start for him with strikeouts. Seven Ks in six innings, six scoreless innings against uh, the Rangers. His previous start was 12 Ks against the White Sox. So this is a good reality check because the White Sox, like the Orioles, they strike out a ton. They make a lot of pitchers look like strikeout pitchers. But a good outing against a, a more selective, better contact hitting Rangers team, at least in comparison uh, with the White Sox. Uh, now, Matt Boyd, he's one of those pitchers that I have really liked because he's been really good at minimizing hard contact, and he did it again. And he, you know, he's, he has sustained this pretty much all season long. So maybe he's the exception to rule. Maybe he's the guy who gives you some hope for Alex Cobb. But Boyd, one run in six innings with just three Ks against the Twins on 
Sunday. So I'll talk a little bit more about Map Boy. I want to talk about him, but I got to go to break right now. So we'll be right back with more pitchers, more standout hitters, and some high barrel guys right after this break. Like a great pass rusher, the Roto Experts will help you sack your fantasy football competition. When you register for their exclusive Edge Fantasy Package, you get a cheat sheet generator plus a player database with sortable projections and rankings from the best in the business. And you can join the fantasy conversation in the 24-7 Slack chat channel. Visit rotoexperts.com to register for the exclusive Edge Fantasy Package and enter the promo code FNTSY and you get a 10% discount. That's the rotoexperts.com exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package promo code FNTSY. Welcome back, everybody. This is the Fantasy Baseball Hour. I'm your host, Al Melkier. Thank you so much for tuning in. Uh, we've got more standout performances to talk about in just a few minutes. We have some uh, hitters from the barrel rate leaderboard that are worth checking in on. Uh, but I also want to check in on the lineups that have come in. Not very many. I don't know if uh, managers are having a case of the Mondays and doing their lineups a little bit later, but... Uh, that seems to be the case. Uh, let's look at the weather first, because there are also a couple of games where weather may uh, spoil your lineup plans. The one game you really got to watch here is Mets-Yankees at Yankee Stadium. 7.05 Eastern first pitch. 58% chance of precipitation at first pitch actually going up in the hour following that. So doesn't look like a great chance for a cancellation, but maybe a delay, which is actually a better situation for us fantasy-wise than uh, with the chance, uh, strong chance of rain a little bit later in the evening where you might have a cancellation or uh, or a pitcher have a start uh, cut short. So uh, do check on that situation with the Mets and the Yankees. And also while you're at it, Blue Jays and Royals in Kansas City. Uh, that, again, that's supposed to be the debut of Sean Reed Foley and possibly Danny Jansen. Little chance of maybe a, uh, a delay there, 18% probability of precipitation for first pitch and then going up to 33 percent an hour after first pitch uh so that's one maybe to uh check on as well everything else looks fine and dandy though weather wise so no worries there and uh like i said not that many lineups out uh for the night games in fact we just have four of them Right now, Mets, Yankees, uh, that game that may have uh, a little bit of weather to worry about. That's DeGrom and Severino. Uh, in terms of the lineups, no Mets lineup. Uh, we do have a Yankees lineup. And Neil Walker getting another start in right field, batting eighth. Uh, White Sox and Tigers, Lopez and Lewicki. Nothing really uh, of note there. And then the only other game where we have some lineups, uh, Indians, Reds, Clevenger and Bailey starting that one. And uh, because it's in Cincinnati, no DH for the Indians. And, of course, Encarnacion on the DL. Uh, but Yandy Diaz uh, DH'd on Sunday and had a terrific game. So uh, Diaz is out of the lineup. Uh, and for the Reds, no Billy Hamilton. You've got an outfield uh, of uh, Tucker, Mason, Williams, and uh, Philip Irvin. So uh, no, no, uh, no Billy Hamilton in that one. And yeah, everything's a bit later, so I suppose that is the reason why we're a little skimpier on lineups than uh, than we normally are. And then we do have that uh, second game of the Marlins-Braves. 
doubleheader, but uh, of course with the the current game still in progress, uh, not too surprising that uh, we don't have any lineups there. And by the way, Braves now all over the Marlins, eight to one. And let's see, I think the final line on Toussaint was yes after six innings. So one run, uh, two hits, two walks, four strikeouts for Toussaint. Fantastic debut for him. All right, so uh, we'll get back to talking about Sunday's games in just a moment. Uh, but before we do that, uh, you should plan on getting your season ticket to Fancy Glory right now with the 2018 Roto Experts Exclusive Edge Fantasy Football Package. It isn't just a draft kit. It is a full season package that takes you all the way from draft day up to your championship week. And it features in-depth analysis from some of your favorite FNTSY sports radio experts. So just go to rotoexperts.com, enter the code WINNER to get 10% off on the exclusive edge package, and then set aside a spot on your mantle for the 2018 championship trophy that you're going to get with a, little, with a little help from rotoexperts.com. So do check that out. All right. So I've interrupted myself here uh, about uh, eight minutes ago. I was talking about Matt Boyd. I just wanted to uh, just wrap that conversation up because, as I was saying, Boyd seems to be the, the exception to the rule that usually when pitchers are succeeding due to soft contact more so than the missing bats, that it doesn't seem to be as, as sustainable as often. But Boyd's been pretty steady this year, but he is definitely on a good run of late. His last five starts, he has a 2.37 ERA. He hasn't been devoid of strikeouts, though. 27 strikeouts and 30 in the third innings. Only five walks, though, and only two home runs. So the uh, the low walk total, uh, the low home run total, those are things that have helped him out for most of the season. And whenever I talk about Matt Boyd, I always check in on the average fly ball distance because that's an area where he has excelled. Uh, his is currently at 300 feet, which makes him the pitcher with the lowest average fly ball distance for any pitcher that is allowed 100 fly balls. That's a lot of fly balls. So that's a good sample. And he is, by a good margin, the best at reducing damage on fly balls uh, of, of any pitcher in the majors so far this year. So there, I think there is something there. Somebody who has not had nearly as much success with that is Jake Junis, but he's had good back-to-back -back starts. And coincident, or I should say not coincidentally, back-to-back -back starts where he hasn't allowed a home run. Uh, I'm going to dig into that a little further and write about that on Rotographs tomorrow because I'm very intrigued. But uh, Jake Junis, just one run uh, in six innings against the Cardinals on Sunday, three hits, no walks, eight strikeouts. So he's somebody who can, with some regularity, put up the good strikeout-to-walk ratio. If he could just cut back on the home runs, he's somebody that could help you down the stretch. And two starts with no home runs is hardly a sample at all. But I do want to dig a little further to see maybe there's a better reason to have some hope for Jake Junis uh, over this last quarter of the season. Derek Rodriguez with another great start, uh, this time against the Pirates. One run in seven innings on two hits and a walk. Just four strikeouts for Rodriguez. I think he gets quite a bump from pitching at AT&T Park. This was a home start for Rodriguez. I'm not sure I have another explanation for why he's been as good as he's been. But uh, he's certainly trustworthy at home. And Joe Musgrove, I'm not sure if I trust him, but he's been good for a while now. Uh, he pitched for the Pirates in that game against the Giants. He uh, did give up four runs, but only three were earned in six innings, seven hits and a walk with six strikeouts. So really not a bad line 
for Musgrove. And over his last seven starts, he has a 270 ERA and a 1.09 whip. And he's been, again, it seems to be the soft contact more than anything else for Musgrove. Uh, a 104 ISO over those seven starts, a 23% soft contact rate, but only a 16% strikeout rate. So I don't know if, if Musgrove is uh, the Western Pennsylvania uh, answer to, uh, to Matt Boyd, but uh, that's kind of been the formula for him lately. Then finally, one uh, we'll have one down after all these uh, good performances for pitchers. Uh, Sean Newcomb really concerning me. He had had three nice starts before this one, but the uh, peripherals weren't really supporting it. And uh, he gave up 12 hits in four innings against the Brewers on Sunday. Five runs total, uh, just two strikeouts. Uh, so uh, Newcomb, over his last seven starts, just a 7% swinging strike rate. Uh, that's not going to get it done. Just like I said, it's not going to get it done for uh, Hector Rondon. It's not going to get it done for Sean Newcomb either. And he's not getting any chases. Uh, I mean, not literally, of course, but 24% uh, chase rate is also uh, a bad sign in combination with those other things. And uh, he has now, just to compound bad news on top of bad news, he's now had four consecutive starts with a soft contact rate below 11%. So, Unfortunately, in one league, I had to start Newcomb because I didn't have uh, other options, but I, I'm not happy about it, and I'm not expecting good things. So uh, we'll, uh, I'll keep my fingers crossed for Sean Newcomb. And just a, a few hitter performances uh, from Sunday. Uh, Paul Goldschmidt, I mentioned earlier in the show that I would talk about his two-homer game against the Reds on Sunday. He also doubled, so he's now up to 26 homers and 25 doubles. And since the 1st of June. So we know that he got to a terrible stinko start uh, on the season that seemed to go on forever, but it was just the first two months. But from June 1 forward, he's hit 339 with 19 home runs. That gives him the fifth highest roto value of any hitter. I'm not talking about first baseman, of any hitter in fantasy since the 1st of June. So he's turned it around in a big way. And Giancarlo Stanton, who I don't talk about much, but he certainly he's worth a mention. Uh, you know, overall, again, you, just like Goldschmidt, you look at the overall numbers and you think it's a down season, but he's just overcome a slow start. And on Sunday, he went two for four with his 30th homer of the year. Uh, now, if you prorate that out, then you're thinking, okay, maybe he'll eke out a 40 homer season. He could do much better than that, though, because he has been hot since the 1st of June, just like Paul Goldschmidt. He's batting 311. Same number of home runs as Goldschmidt, by the way, over that time. 19 homers since the 1st of June. So you're looking at uh, not quite two and a half months where both of those players have hit 19 home runs. So they've definitely uh, taken the, the, the homer pace up a notch. And, you know, maybe Stanton makes it to, uh, you know, 45 by the end of the year. Uh, anyway, Stanton not far behind Goldschmidt in terms of roto value since the 1st of June. He ranks 7th among all hitters, and again, Goldschmidt fifth. So nothing wrong there, just a slow start for both of those hitters. And then Travis Jankowski, he's going to be the last hitter I mentioned. Went two for three with a couple of walks and stole four bases uh, against the Phillies. And what's really noteworthy about this is he stole all four bases with Jorge Alfaro behind the plate. Alfaro, uh, who's got uh, elite pop time, has been not great, but very good. I wouldn't even say very good, but he's been decent at throwing out uh, base stealers this year. Uh, so that's that's quite the feat there for Travis Jankowski. Unfortunately, I don't know how much playing time 
he gets going for it. I actually did bench him for this week uh, with the return of Will Myers uh, for Monday's game and uh, further complicating the outfield situation. Uh, and even if Myers winds up playing a third base, it's it's a crowded situation. So, uh, all right, let me uh, get in a quick message here, and we'll talk about some barrel rate leaders. Uh, but uh, we're going to take just a brief four-way, for a foray into football here, because football, as you know, is just around the corner. But here on FNTSY, we are still giving away World Series tickets. Yes, we are. So here on the FNTSY Sports Radio Network, we are giving away World Series tickets to the winner of free DFS baseball contests. The contests are sponsored by DKMS, who are looking for your help in their fight against blood cancer. For many patients, a bone marrow transplant is the best chance for survival. 30% of patients can find a matching donor in their own families. But the other 70%, that's nearly 14,000 people each year. They have to rely on a benevolent stranger to step up and donate. You can find out how you can help the cause and win 2018 World Series tickets by playing free daily fantasy baseball by going to dailyrodo.com slash DKMS. That's dailyrodo.com slash DKMS. It is your ticket to the World Series, but also it's a blood cancer patient's ticket to life. So uh, I'm going to give the, the hitters their, their fair share here, the, give them their due, because as I uh, mentioned earlier in the show, on Friday's show, I had K- Casey Bogoslaw on here. We talked about pitchers that were very good at uh, preventing barrels and some that were less good. Really cool. So I, again, for the second straight show here, I'm going to encourage you to go check out uh, not only at Casey Bogoslaw on Twitter, but uh, his account, MLB Barrel Alert. And by the way, um, the Ken Tremendous account, that's uh, Mike Schur of uh, Parks and Rec fame and uh, uh, The Good Place, which, by the way, is a show I've just started watching, uh, which I love. Anyway, uh, the Ken Tremendous account is is going away, uh, so Mike Schur is getting rid of that. Uh, he explained why. But his very last tweet was, I'm going to miss MLB Barrel Alert the most. So I felt very, very proud to have Casey Bogoslaw, the proprietor of that account, uh, here on the show on Friday. Uh, So definitely check out both of Casey's accounts. But uh, I'm going to focus here on hitters who barrel up more so than the pitchers who prevent it or or, or allow it. And the the leaderboard, for the most part, no big surprise. J.D. Martinez is the current leader, and by a good distance, uh, in terms of barrel rate per plate appearance, 12.4%. You can find this, by the way, uh, on Baseball Savant. Uh, so very cool leaderboard to check out. Uh, Chris Davis is second. That, of course, is Chris with a K. Mookie Betts is third. Joey Gallo, fourth. But fifth is Teoscar Hernandez. And it's been a while since I've, I've talked about Teoscar Hernandez. Uh, but earlier in the season, I talked about how he was ranking very well in terms of barrel rate, in terms of exit velocity. And he's still doing it. Uh, but, you know, the thing is with a lot of these hitters that are near the top of the leaderboard, like Gallo, like Hernandez, uh, like the guy at number six, Daniel Palka. In a way, they're very frustrating to own in fantasy because you see this and you see that in terms of raw power, they rank right up there with a Mookie Betts or a Chris Davis, but they strike out too much. So they just, they just don't have the same uh, overall production. And that's been uh, the issue with Hernandez and Palka. Now, ranking seventh just behind them is Randall Gritchick who has cut his strikeouts back this year. 
Uh, so that's the good news on Randall Gritchick. Uh, 24% strikeout rate right now. And of course, he's swinging a really hot bat. Uh, but he is still pull crazy. That is who he has always been in the minor leagues with the Cardinals and now with the Blue Jays. Same guy. Hits a lot of fly balls. Hits a lot of pulled balls. So maybe there's a little bit more batting average upside because he's making more contact. But he, too, I think ultimately is probably going to disappoint you if you just uh, pick him up based on the uh, the barrel rate. Uh, and again, this is barrel rate per plate appearance. So, you know, per, per batted ball event, uh, you know, that that's a different thing. So we're, you know, we're taking the strikeouts in, into account here. Um, all right, moving a little bit further down, Chad Pender ranks, ranks 18th. Uh, and I should mention, by the way, this is among all hitters with at least 150 batted balls. So this is out of a very large sample. And Chad Pender is 18th. So he's somebody to consider pretty much any time the A's are facing a left-handed starter because Pender's going to be in the lineup most likely. But he, too, has his strikeout issues. So you're looking at him for, for uh, you know, the raw power. Now, Yonder Alonso, again, he's he's one of the few exceptions here of these players that you might not expect to be so high on the barrel rankings, uh, but he's got just a 21% strikeout rate. He ranks 20th in barrel rate. Uh, so maybe there's better things coming for Yonder Lonzo ahead uh, where the power output doesn't necessarily match up with uh, such a high barrel rate. Avisail Garcia and uh, Hunter Renfro, they're both in the, the, the top 40, but they're pulling the ball even more than Randall Gritchick is. So again, with both of those hitters, you got to take the, the downside in terms of batting average. But the last player I'll talk about is Yasiel Puig, 40th in barrel rate. Uh, and I was very surprised that he was available in my ESPN league. He's only 69% owned there. I picked him up today. He is being started in only two-thirds of all of the CBS and Fantrax leagues, or roughly two-thirds uh, on both of those uh, platforms. Uh, you got to start Yasiel Puig. He's striking out less than 20% of the time. He's uh, got a 371 OBP and 589 slugging since the beginning of May. So he's being really underappreciated. Yasiel Puig, I will end on that note. So thank you for joining me today. Enjoy a nice nighttime slate of baseball. Good luck to you this week. And I will be back tomorrow for Tuesdays with Modica. So and thanks to Sean Engel, of course, for the fantastic production work. I'll see you here Tuesday. Take care.